So I think um, you should like introduce us and introduce the podcast. One, two, three. Hey everyone, welcome to Chosen by Committee, the podcast where John, Christopher, and I, Joshua, uh, are going to read through every Pulitzer Prize winning podcast starting in 1918. Uh, last week we read 1918's uh, Why Mary, and this week we are going to discuss Eugene O'Neill's 1920 melodrama, Beyond the Horizon. Um, which could also be called Why Mary. Which could also. <laughs> uh, I am Josh Heron. I am a teacher and theater writer in Philadelphia, and I'm, I, I am joined by theater maker, director, actor, writer, uh, John Rosenberg. Want to say hi? Hello. <laughs> My name is John Rosenberg. And uh, editor, writer, uh, blog Smith. <laughs> Um, Christopher Munden. Hello, Josh. Um, so, uh, <laughs> let's start talking about uh, <laughs> this week's play. Um, last week we read a sort of um, social satire on the institution of marriage, and um, uh, two years later the Pulitzer Committee gave us something a little different. It's kind of a love triangle, isn't it, between uh, uh, two brothers and a lady in a way it opens and we have i mean it must be somewhat autobiographical we have one brother who's just come back from college uh um to like a rural farm irish american family maybe connecticut rhode island where was it where is it set? new england somewhere and uh he's about to depart on a three-year round the world trip with his uncle on a merchant marine vessel. Um, he says goodbye to this lady who he thinks is in love with his brother and they're going to get brother, married. And it, sorry, His brother, I think it's important to note, is like um, a superhero at farming. Like the only right. thing we know about this guy is like every character is like, oh, Andrew Mayo. Touches a cow and milk pours out pits for hours. He's a manly man, right? Mm -hmm. And it turns out uh, that this lady is entranced by um, the younger brother's poetry and is in love with him. So the younger brother decides not to go away and marry this lady instead. And the older brother is upset about that and he he goes away um, and then cut to three years later and then cut again to five years later and everything has completely gone to shit. Yeah. That's pretty like, accurate. In the most like depressing, sad way possible. Pretty much. So Eugene O'Neill had a brother, definitely, didn't he? He he had a, yeah, because isn't it? So this guy won. Well, he did. Yeah, go on. He's won four Pulitzers. We're reading a lot of O'Neill. This is our first. I think yeah. The next one um, is two weeks. Because best known plays, to me at least, are his later plays um, Long Day's Journey into Night and Moon for the Misbegotten, which are like 
pretty autobiographical. Long Day's Journey Into Night is him and, or is, uh, you know, two brothers, alcoholic mother, and uh, Moon for the Misbegotten is based on that older brother, um, and uh, yeah, and his his older brother drank himself to death, as they say, or died somehow after this play was written, the play we're reading. After Beyond the Horizon. After Beyond the Horizon. But it's still like, I don't know how autobiographical it is, but it definitely has autobiographical characteristics, I would say. Like he probably, I wonder if he uh, took his brother's girl or if he just wanted to. <laughs> um, so what, uh, what surprised y'all about this play? I think the, the thing that surprised me the most was the absolute pettiness of everybody. And I thought it was so beautiful. Like, uh, you know, cause I thought like, the first few pages is like exposition and I thought it was going one way and it went completely the other way. And it was just so, uh, everyone was so small and petty. It was, it just surprised me so much. Yeah. The mother-in-law, she was beautifully petty. <laughs> just like, <laughs> just like killer. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I was surprised. I, yeah. I think I was. I was surprised. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, John. No, 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 no. The British Empire first. Mm. Uh, well, I was kind of changing the subject, so go. Oh, well, I think just like the thing that surprised me about it was just like uh, the complete reversal. Um, you know, like it starts with, I'm like, okay, I get it. The young guy is going to go away, blah, blah, blah. And it just completely reversed itself in such a short amount of time. And I think compared to the last play, which uh, was a three act play too, but it was so, uh, it was so thick and, you know, it was so drawn out. This one was really quick and to the point and to the bone. And it just surprised me how lean and mean it was. Yeah, it's three three scenes, almost temporal scenes, right? I mean, it's day to night, but it's uh, it's it basically the action happens on stage to a large extent. Absolutely, and there's no like B story. There's no like he doesn't try to trick you. He doesn't try to like push you a different way, and then the story comes a different way. It just like comes at you, and. Is, there's no stopping it, and I was just I was surprised by like, like the simplicity and the power of storytelling, and how he did it. It was just it, it. I'm I'm really glad I didn't read this play when I was young, because it would. Uh, I know I'm not supposed to curse, but this show would have fucked me up if I read it when I was young. How so? It's, it's so clean and simple and good mm. that. <laughs> you could easily get lost trying to copy it because it's so simple and good. 
to me it was like a, it was a tragedy it was like it reminded me of greek shakespearean tragedy like it was just like set up everything goes to shit that's i and my reference point for this the thing that i kept coming back to um i maybe want to reread it um i'm a big like steinbeck fan um yeah it reminded me of steinbeck too yeah i think i think it's like the brothers i think it's like east of eden it has the like i mean can evil right um but um i think something about the like the like the farm and the land and the land as like a symbol of like home and that like which nourishes you but also this thing that ties you down and the like i think steinbeck does this thing too that eugene o'neill does in the later in this play where like the land that is so like beautiful and rich and like is like you know uh the american symbol like also as this thing that can like rot and like ruin mm -hmm. and that like humans can like destroy this and it can like um like the failure of the farm is like such a clear like symbol for the downfall of this family um absolutely but i think what what terrified me and blew me away by it was just like the choices that are made like the split second decisions that are made um and the blindness in which they're made you know because to me mm -hmm. i think that's what really blew me away was just how in touch this dude was with just the pettiness of being a person just the just how you can't see beyond what you can see and you know it wasn't like drawn out he didn't keep like hammering away at it it's just like a decision is made you know the brother switches he's like you know what fine you know either out of pride or or whatever and it's just so i, I found it incredibly relatable and i was shocked that this thing came out in 1920. yeah i mean have you read have we read much eugene o'neill or seen I want, eugene o'neill i once read like long day's journey in the night and i was like get the fuck out of here so <laughs> <laughs> Josh. But, I, I read you I read Long Day's Journey Tonight for fun as like a 13 year old so it's been a long time since I've um, I'm really excited we're gonna I mean that's like the 20s we get three so yeah I, I hadn't read this one I haven't read the other two that we're gonna read or seen them mm -hmm. but I've read Long Day's Journey and Tonight, really like that, really like Moon for the Misbegotten and Iceman Cometh, which are later plays. I've seen a bunch of his early plays and none of them were at all like this. Like I saw uh, Emperor Jones, um, Harry Ape, and uh, Morning, Morning Becomes a Lecture, I think it's called. Yeah. And they're all like lots of sim symbolism, expressionistic, like, Harry Eight, the main character, is called Yank, and he's kind of like a stand-in for this working-class American. Gets beat down by um, by capitalism, beat down by structure. Emperor Jones is about like a black train worker who moves to like Barbados or somewhere like that and becomes king or becomes emperor. I guess they're all like. This for me felt more like his later plays were like, it was really, yeah, drama, real feeling in a way.
I mean, the thing I felt, and I don't, it doesn't sound, I don't know. It, the thing that I felt was that the first act and then the second two acts or the second and third act felt like different plays. I mean, I, obviously I think like there's some big time gaps, but I think that that like sort of that distinction you're making, Chris, uh, mm-hmm. is that I think that like that first act, the, the last scene in the first act, so the two brothers, um, like, well, the, the younger brother sort of betrays the older brother by like going after Ruth. And then um, Andrew, the older brother is like, well, fuck it, I'm going, I'm gonna go on this, um, this ship and you can take care of the farm. Um, and then the father just explodes. And I would yeah. thrill to see that live. Um, that scene felt like so raw, felt so like such a cool, like um, family sort of like knockdown. Um, and then I think as it like goes on and, and it's sort of becoming, I guess I found it a little didactic um, in terms of like, for like a lesson that I don't love, which is like, be careful what you, like, I don't know, like follow your destiny or like all will, um, where like every single thing that could go wrong goes wrong. That that did feel to me very like symbolic. Um, Mm -hmm. Like sort of all the misery felt like for a, for a lesson. There's a line in Hamlet, our our wills, or what is it? Our thoughts are ours, their ends, none our own. Like, yeah, we can make choices, but the results of it will not be what we expect or wish for. So I guess, so John, you don't think it feels like it's like from its time. I mean, I think it's fair to say too, though, that like, I don't think I've read another play from 1920, so I'm not certain. But I think to me, like, uh, I didn't find anything emotionally vampish about it, or like, um, I didn't feel like the dude really led, he didn't like over explain things. And like, I feel you're saying that like the second and third act could be didactic, but it's just, so simple and to me that's the brutality of it is like it's one thing if you had this like overwrought or like complicated thing where you needed to follow all this information but like yeah it's brutal that like if you don't follow what you want your heart like (laughs) you should you should do what your heart wants you to do you know like like we don't know Right? Like, I mean, I, in the same token, like, almost don't, like... Or don't, right? Well, the, be- the beautiful thing, too, is, like, the, the terror is the, the temporalness of it all. <laughs> that, like, it was so great that at the end of the first act, Ruth was like, oh, my God, this is so incredible. And then the second act is just... <laughs> oh, I made a terrible mistake. And then the change to the third act where she's just so, like, worn down, resigned to it, and, like, the line about, like, not being capable of loving anymore. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I... I... I'm sorry. No, no, no. Teach her before me. Um, I do think it's... 
I mean, I was thinking about, um, John, last week you were really interested in the stage directions, which were like... Yeah, how do you like these ones? I didn't need them. Hmm. Um, like, I didn't, I didn't need to follow. And to me, that's the sign of a really good play. Yeah. Is just like, it, it becomes alive in my head, mm-hmm. and I don't need to be told how to do it. The last one, a little bit, just because it was so long and thorough. I was, I got lost in it, but this, I didn't even, I didn't care about the stage directions. Um, I probably agree, actually, but I do think reading them, or I was paying closer attention to them because of your point. They were beautiful, too. That Just the oh. opening scene description was gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the thing that, like, him, and I'm sure there's, we'll see more, but, like, Tennessee O'Neill does that, Arthur Miller, like, it's just, like, oh. Um, like these little yeah, I, I skip those. I don't. I don't like to read about the uh, the set or anything like that. I don't want to. Okay, interesting. Um, because it like it's very clear. As soon as you read the sort of set description in the second act, you're like, "Ooh, this isn't gonna go well." Like you, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. Um, how the farm is. It's interesting because like, how would you even stage that or set design? Some of the things he mentions, like the the rundownness of it, like that would be tough for a designer or like the way that like the characters are now, like more sunburnt and uh, weathered in, by age, like it's the same character. I almost like in my mind, later. I was seeing that like last act just in like black and white, <laughs> like, <laughs> just, just like it's gone. To, it's like Wizard of Oz in reverse. What did you but think I, of the dialogue, John? Oh, I thought like, uh... I felt like this dude didn't care what I thought about what it sounded like. And I really appreciated that. Like in the third act when like the brother was like on his deathbed and he got like a little prophetic, it was vicious. I don't know how prophetic I'll be on my deathbed, but like for the most part, like I was just so blown away by like how blind everyone was. In, in the same way that all of us are, we're so yeah. completely ruled by our emotions. And, you know, if you're able to think really, really long term, you're probably a sociopath or, you know what I mean? But like, we're, we're all subject to the, the rules of emotional physics that we cannot, at moments we might be able to transcend it, but that's what I found so beautiful about this was just the, just the pettiness, just like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was absolutely beautiful and relatable just like reversals of fortune or reversals of of dreams or i think i think that's what really killed me was like in the first act this dude was pontificating about the horizon and like mm-hmm. beyond and all this and then the moment she was like you know oh fuck he he just dropped everything <laughs> and i thought that that was just so beautiful so in in real life, Eugene O'Neill, I think he probably was a lot like that, the younger son, and he was sickly as a kid. He had I don't know tuberculosis or something like that. Probably not that. Um, but then he went away. He did that three year trip, mm. and he wrote. I saw I saw some plays set. Some of his even earlier plays were like set on the boats, like a you know, half hour plays set on the boats. So he did that trip 
um, not like the older brother, but like I wonder if it's like him kind of, you know, counterfactual. What if I hadn't? Mm. I mean, I will say one of the things I loved about this play actually um, is I was thinking, so my husband and his brother are really different. Um, and um, like- Who do you I, like more? I mean, <laughs> way more. Um, but in, in the scheme of the world, like Henry is very much the robber and um, Isaac, his brother is very much the Andrew. If, it, although Henry is more like his parents than Isaac, but like Isaac is the one that has sort of a better business sense and Henry is the more like poetic one. Um, and they didn't get along growing up, but they get along really, like get along like really nicely now and sort of because of their differences. Um, and I was thinking about how like, as I first like started reading the play, I was like, oh, it's gonna be about these brothers and like how they're different. And then as I kept reading even like a page in, I was like, oh, but they like, they like that they're different. That's like, a, it's like a nice thing they have. And I thought that was really sweet. And then I, I really liked that despite like, you know, some pretty, um, steep acts of betrayal and sort of like stubbornness and pride uh they don't really ever give up caring for each other no like yeah, like, it's, I think, yeah it's, it's heartbreaking it's very beautiful yeah i think they like they do this thing that feels like it feels very true to like at least my family which is like i'm so mad i like can't even look at you and i still love you so much and I'm not, this doesn't mean I don't love you, but like, ah! Um, and I feel like they articulate that well, really like constantly, right? That like, they, the, the love between those two brothers is constantly reaffirmed um, in each act, right? Um, so you're not like Ruth, you don't think you married the wrong brother? I don't, uh, I think that like the family situation was dumb. Like, I don't think, I, I think that Ruth and Robert could have been fine. I don't think they should have lived on that farm. Mm. I mean, what, like, if we're doing fan fiction, like, I think Ruth and Robert should have moved to, like, New York or Boston, and they both have gotten really into, like, opium and, like, opened up a, like, speakeasy. Okay. I, I so. think it would have failed. It definitely would have failed. What I found... But I found it interesting that they didn't, that <laughs> Eugene O'Neill didn't harp on was like, I was half expecting when Robert changed his mind and told his parents, you know, I get that like the mom was like, oh, thank God you're staying. What got me was the dad was like, thank God you're staying as well. And like the fact that the father didn't care that, the, that Robert changed his mind, but he freaked out that Andrew Oh, dad. And so that that difference in in behavior towards each child, you know, I thought was fascinating. And he didn't harp on it, but it's there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, like, I was shocked that the dad was dead in the second act. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that, I loved like uh, I loved the the deaths of characters in between the acts, and the, they just felt yeah, so was, tragic. Each one it was, it, it was it great. It surprised me because I, I didn't see yeah. that coming. I thought it was like, oh, okay, no. at the end, the dad's like, oh, my fucking son. And it killed me. The dad was just gone. Yeah. Right. Gone. Um, yeah. The, the one, this, the one yeah. surviving is that 
the the widowed uh, mother-in-law. Right, I love <laughs> that she's right. Yeah. She kept them afloat. That's what I love. Yeah. I, um, I feel like we talked a lot about things that we really liked about it. Um, John, it sounds like you liked it. Like you really liked this play. Was there anything that you didn't like? I mean, like, uh, it remind, you ever you ever read the play Jitney by August Wilson? Oh no, but it's like it was like his. It was a second play. It's like before the ten play cycle, mm-hmm. um, and it's about like a son. It's like a dad that runs like a gypsy cab company, and the son comes, and basically, it's like a battle of will of him taking it over or not. It just, it kind of reminded me of it that like this dude, like Eugene O'Neill, like this is so simple that like, yeah, he could have made it so much more and like overwrought or some shit, but it was just simple and clean and brutal. Um, So like in terms of like what I didn't like about it, I mean, who gives a shit what I think? Like, you know what I mean? Like... Well, it's it not produced just, much now, right? I mean, I've seen a bunch of dude, Eugene O'Neill plays I've never seen. This. this play is hard to pull off. Yeah, I yeah. was like doing uh, the last, at least like major revival um, was I think uh, Irish Rep in New York did it in 2012. Oh, yeah. And got like just panned. Uh, oh, damn. Yeah, Ben Brantley. Um, you can't trust critics, though. Um, like, his sort of thesis was like, this play is, re- like, as fact, this play is really crappy and it would take very good actors to make it worthwhile. They, I mean, did, not, they did not. It have- would take some good actors to pull this off, but I don't know even if that's true. I think I could see a, a no. mediocre production of this. and enjoy it. No, that would be yeah. deadly. I would think a mediocre production would be deadly. This, this to me is like, because it's so simple and like, it doesn't try to hide what it's about. You know what I mean? It's very, uh, it's a very vulnerable play. You know what I mean? Like, it, I could see how like a production could be fucking terrible, but like. I mean, it's yeah. still a long play. It's, it's three not hours. that long. It's not that long though. I, no, guess. I bet it's a good over two hour play. Yeah, and you need the two, two and a half hour. 45 minutes. It's not a funny, but it's forty-five minute first act. I mean, you definitely like I, you can't like you need those intermissions. To do oh yeah, you do. Stuff. Yeah, you would you would want two intermissions. They could. I mean, you could cut some. You could cut um, yeah, some like the uncle maybe. I don't know. I mean, I yeah, uh, I think you, you could, could trim it. But my my one brilliant directorial idea was. You could double cast the dad and the doctor. Oh, you'd have to do some <laughs> of that stuff, yeah. Um, maybe the uncle and the the um, and the the widow could be double cast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. The, the, so this production, it like was very simply done. It had like a sort of like pretty, like painterly horizon backdrop, and that was sort of it. Hmm. Yeah, I think you'd have to do it simply. Um, I, I forgot, I might like cut this up to the front. Is that One of the things I really loved um, was also how like lyrical the, some of those monologues were, but it wasn't consistently that. Like, 
there was lots of like sort of um, naturalistic dialogue and very like sort of raw dialogue. And then it would also go off into like, like his, uh, like especially earlier in the play when he has those sort of like monologues about be like that beyond the horizon monologue is just so beautiful. Like that's like a, it's a Shakespeare soliloquy, right? Like, But the yes. funny thing to me about it, and I think that's what keeps it so like human and uh, simple is that he says it, but it, he doesn't live by it. You know what I mean? He like talks about how beautiful the horizon is. And then two minutes later, he's like, I don't give a shit. Like, I can't believe you love me. And like, well, in retrospect too, like how much of that is him like waxing poetic to be like, right, right absolutely. See how, uh, yeah. see how deep I am. I'm pretty, yeah, yeah, yeah. my fucking shithead brother. He doesn't think about the horizon. <laughs> Uh, I love that, and like she hates him reading by the end. Oh. Like, it's so beautiful that like <laughs> the things we like about a person can be the things we grow to hate, and vice versa. Yeah, which is why this play should be called Why Mary. Why Mary? Um, yeah, and I like I like this play. I I because it's Eugene O'Neill, and because he's you know one of you know, capitalized great American playwrights. I'm kind of surprised it isn't done more. I mean, it's tough to do a production of Long Day's Journey and Tonight, and that gets done a lot. Yeah. Um, did you, is there anything you didn't like, Christopher? I had quibbles when I was reading it, but nothing, uh, nothing memorable, no. Um, yeah, I like, I will say that this is an interesting, this conversation. I, I feel like I, the experience of reading it was really like, I really liked it. I like, I think I read the first, like maybe the first scene one night and then I spent the rest, like the rest of it was one sitting. I was just sort of like, um, That was an interesting experience for me was I read it each act on a different day. And I, I kind of liked that about reading the play and the way I'd read like a novel. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like, I'm kind of remembering what was going on the day before, which you don't get in a play. And I, I enjoyed that experience of reading it. Um, but I, so I really enjoyed reading it. And then as I was like getting ready for this, I was like, eh. and then like here talking as we're like going through, it, I was like, yeah, I did really like that. Like that was a great thing. Um, I think it's interesting that you, you, John, that you like, Think of it as simple and clean. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> at, like, because I think one of my quibbles or like, this is one of my like things. And it's sort of something I like love about it, but <laughs> is that the last scene, he like is crawling out of the house, like on the ground of the horizon, you know? Mm -hmm. It's in some ways it's very like, uh, like capital D dramatic. Um, like it's definitely like meant for the stage, right? Like it's not like slice, <laughs> slice of life. I think the thing about it though, that like, I didn't mind it. Like, because to me, it's like, to me, it was like within the character that even though it was like dramatic, like this dude basically got whatever he wanted when he was young. He's like the little brother, the poet, the whatever. And 
he he could like change his mind is no fucking problem or whatever and there's something so childish and like the victim of your own tragedy mm-hmm. of like i have to get out of this house i have to um you know what i mean like it was overwrought but it was okay to me because that dude was overwrought mm. um and like it's weird how like the the at the end it's basically andrew and ruth they now have to do something because of robert mm-hmm. like this dude you know what i mean he's a brat this dude is a motherfucking brat and like so it didn't bother me that it was like that i'd have had a problem if it was like ruth doing it or like andrew doing it you know mm-hmm. but like it was just without uh any uh that dude had no shame and i feel like eugene o'neill stripped that dude of everything mm. and so like yeah no i i dig what you're saying but like uh it was good you know, this this is i'm re- seriously i'm really glad i didn't read this when i was young because it would have i've been copying this motherfucker every day after that you know mm. Uh, Christopher, who would you be in this play? Uh, shoot. I mean, I remember I did read Long Day's Journey into Night when I was too young. Like, not as young as you, but like too young and like loved like them quoting poetry and <laughs> I don't know, like just the... Josh, if you ever go for a walk with Christopher, he loves reciting poetry and <laughs> walks in the city. Oh. Yeah, and same he does. probably some of the same poetry that they recite in Long Day's Journey. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I mean, at least at first, like I saw myself as Robert, as the young poetic son. And, and love that, like, Love how like destructive he O'Neill was towards him. It was yeah. He really got it. I I think I identify very much um, with Ruth. Uh, and I that I hate my husband, but that I think that I can like often a like sort of defining phrase of our marriage is like I contain multitudes. Like, mm. yeah, I like that thing once, and now it, like, fucking drives me crazy. Um, I really identify with her. And I don't find her, like, I'm, I appreciate that I find her to be, um, oh, that was something that Ben Brantley found. Sorry, this is, like, um, in the revival was that he found uh, Ruth to be a really, like, misogynistic character. And I mm. found her to be a really humane character. Like, I think that, like, yeah. I, I think that, her sort of portrayal of like not liking this person that she thought she did and like sort of not totally loving the life she ended up signing up for. Like, I don't, I feel like that is like a, that was done with. Um, well, you know, when, so I, I said, I read it on uh, consecutive days and after reading the second act, I would, I maybe would have said that, that like it was, it seemed like O'Neill hated women. Like he was so tough on her in that act. She like, she was just so destructive and, and bitter and like ready to 
to give up her husband for the brother again. And then, but then the third act, like she's different and, and human in a way that makes it so, yeah, that's not a misogynistic portrayal, I don't think. She becomes, she maybe becomes a, the character we relate to most in the third act. So I'd be, uh, John, who John, you? who would you be? I mean, I think there's like, I think there's something interesting. There's like who you are, who you want to be. You know what I mean? I think mm -hmm. like definitely, you know, like there's parts of me that are definitely like Robert, you know, there's moments where you want to be Andrew, but you know, the one thing I thought interesting about it was like, I feel like the only time someone was allowed to be prophetic was Robert when he basically castigated his brother for getting into speculation and like took him to task for basically um, taking what he loved, which was farming and then getting into speculation about grain. Mm -hmm. And like that surprised me that one, he reminded me of a banshee you know that moment in like you know it was like to me it's like it could be done wrong where it's like this is the truth but like it was just yeah that part really caught me too like and it surprised me that he had such like a critique of capitalism in a way for like five seconds and then it disappeared hmm. um and i, I that that's what's really surprising about this dude with this play was that like he would punch and then like it would disappear. Mm. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I I saw myself in all the characters, and I think that's always awesome when that happens. That like different aspects of your personality, or you know, right, who you want to be versus who you are. Um, so yeah, I would cast you as the naval captain, the uncle. Mm -hmm. I don't like the ocean. <laughs> I would cast you as the widow. The widow, yeah, maybe. Yeah, sure. I, I, guess can, I think double cast. Well, you're doing a dual casting, Josh, so he yeah. can be both. Yeah, and so I would, I would do this... like half the naval captain, half the widow on stage at the same time, and just turn myself. Yeah. Well, and they're not on stage much. We would edit in a little. So well, the, that both. would be the choice I would make. I would do like half, <laughs> half and just turn. Um, I know you were like, or both of you maybe rolled your eyes or like when I mentioned that this was an opera, but I think this is like, would be a great opera. Like, I, I feel like, that. oh yeah, 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 definitely. I feel like the stakes are so operatic. Me having, yeah. about, and like, I'm two weeks into my opera phase where I've seen like four operas. So let me tell you, this would be a great opera. Yeah, I could see this as an opera. And I would oh, those like areas, oh, it would be so tragic. And yeah, it'd make a classic opera. And I would do it in rep with uh, Grapes of Wrath or hmm. uh, some, some Steinbeck adaptation. If I, was, if I would do it in rep with anything. Um, so the last question I want to ask y'all is, um, 
Again. So given that in 1920, the Pulitzer Prize for Drama went to, for the original American play performed in New York during the year, which shall best represent the educational value and power of the stage in raising the standard of good morals, good taste, <laughs> and good manners. That was the criteria? Yes. Well, see, I was going to say I'm kind of surprised this did win because it was good. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, sometimes, sometimes these great prizes do go to the right person. Well, maybe there was still a better play that didn't win that year, but um, no. This was must have been one of his first plays, and um, I don't know. Maybe it, it did do really well that year. I'm not sure, and um, people were impressed I'll, by the writing. I think it'd be interesting is like as the years go on, if we try to choose which one should be the number one winner out of all them. So like this one definitely should win versus when why. Yeah. Oh, this so is this, this, is like, this has um, it so far. This is like Last Chance Kitchen um, or whatever on Top Chef where you knock it down. So this beat out yes. Why Mary. Yes. yes. Okay. I agree. Three for three. What's, next, what's next here? I'm so glad you asked. Um, so next week is Miss Lulu Bet, um, which was based on a novel by uh, American writer Zona Gale. And then she adapted it for the stage. Um, I only have a summary of the novel, but I'm going to read that. And it was then, like, well, this is within a year. Like, in 1920, it was um, a novel. And then 1921, she adapted it into a play and a silent movie. Miss Lulu Bet um, is about a woman who lives with her sister's family acting as a servant um, and gets entangled with her brother-in-law's brother um, as marital... marital drama ensues yes um so it seems like the pulitzer committee is like really really what really into marriage yeah i mean maybe that like strikes. i do know i know the little research i have is that the play has two endings there's like the controversial ending which won the pulitzer and then i think in subsequent years, it was redone with a different ending. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. That is like more happy and commercial. What famous play was it? Oh, um, Doll's House. Wasn't that the case with a dollhouse? Uh... This is uh, where our taste in theater differs. I love Doll's House, but differs where I was like, I was sure you were going to be talking about Pippin. I thought you were talking <laughs> about the movie Clue. Wasn't it? Um, Love Clue. There was maybe too an Agatha Christie play where they changed who the killer was on mm. different nights that they did it, so that All you right. didn't know who it was going to be. And maybe I make that. Um, I should also say that Miss Lulu Bet, um, when the Pulitzer, Zona Gale was the first woman to win a Pulitzer Prize for drama, the third year out. Um, After only three years, that's impressive. Yeah. Was she uh, the first woman to win a Pulitzer? I will hopefully find it out by next week. All right. Uh, thanks, everyone. We will be back next week with Mrs. or excuse me, Miss Lola 
Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with Miss Lulu Bet by Zona Gale um, to talk more about why marriage and the Pulitzers. All right. Thanks for listening. What what, uh, podcast is this? Oh, uh, Chosen by Committee.